This podcast is a segment of the book, Godly Grit, scheduled for publication in late spring or early summer 2021. It will be available at Amazon as a Kindle ebook, in paperback, and as an audiobook. A confession is a next step after taking a moral inventory. It is the recognition and declaration of a fault or weakness. The subject of confession is the confessor. A confession is a statement without strings attached. It is not a request for forgiveness. That is an apology. It is not a request for a second chance. That is repentance and mercy. It is not a request for restored trust. That is most often manipulation. Confession can be used as a form of deception where the confessor uses a confession to hide a more significant fault. The purpose of a confession is not to encourage others. This type of confession proclamation is most often a statement of arrogance that is demeaning to others. If you want to promote someone, help them from where they are and not from where you have been. A confession most often is nothing more than speaking what other people know about you anyway. A disclosure or revelation verbalizes a deep, dark secret about yourself that everyone else already knew. Others know your faults, but they don't know if you know or how you will react if you find out. You think you have successfully hidden your faults, but others know something is up. They may not know the specifics, but they are aware of the stench of deception in the air. What should we confess? Why should we confess? To whom should we confess? When should we confess? The topic of the value of confession seems to raise more questions than it answers. Firstly, there are two broad categories of what we should confess. We should confess our sins, meaning our acts of rebellion and offense towards God and others. Secondly, we should confess our weaknesses, meaning our limits, inadequacies, and shortcomings. Healthcare is complicated. You are dealing with multiple unknowns amid uncertainty and pressure with patients that are not always willing to be responsible for themselves. The field of healthcare has many opportunities for errors. On a mild May evening in 1984, I was called to the emergency department to see one of my patients with bursitis problems in his shoulder. He was a rugged man of native descent, returning home from a trip where he had sold some of the pelts from his rink ranch. His work was physically demanding, and his painful shoulder made life very difficult at times. He had responded very well with previous injections in his shoulder, so I drove the short distance to the hospital and met him in the emergency department. The nurse had kindly put the necessary supplies on the tray in the patient's room, so it was a simple matter of drawing up the solution and injecting his shoulder. The procedure went very well, and in a few minutes, my grateful patient was back on his way to his trap line 90 miles to the north. As I finished up my paperwork and cleaned up the used materials in the examining room, I noticed that the small vial of the solution I had just injected into my patient's shoulder was labeled Depo Provera. 
I had intended to give him an injection of solumedrol, a steroid, but instead injected his shoulder with a female hormone. This was in a day and era where healthcare quality improvements rode on the backs of shame and blame. I felt the guilt and shame, but had no one to blame. I waited for the two hours it took for my patient to get home before I called him to admit my error. I informed him that the medication may not help his shoulder and that he may feel a little strange and then offered to give him the right injection the next time he passed through town. I did not report my error to the four other doctors I worked with. I just embraced my guilt and made sure I double and triple checked every vial of solution for the rest of my career. Fortunately for my patient, he did not suffer any ill effects and his shoulder improved. In the 1980s, this is the way healthcare errors were handled. Find someone or something to blame, increase the shame and pressure, and then try harder. This practice encourages the practitioner to hide errors and deny near disasters. This methodology did not improve healthcare quality. In 1980, an American engineer, Bill Smith, who was working at Motorola, developed a set of process improvement techniques. These techniques and tools were applied to the business's operation at General Electric by Jack Welsh in 1995. This set of quality management methods and practices became known as Six Sigma. Although the Six Sigma process's goal was to produce defect-free products, the principles of Six Sigma error reduction quickly spread to the field of healthcare. One of the tools that were very applicable to healthcare quality was called root cause analysis. I was on the medical executive committee at Marshall Hospital in Placerville, California, when the administration introduced the Six Sigma concepts. It was not easy to shift from the methodology of change through guilt and shame to a model that encouraged exposure of errors and solutions that were not individual-based, but team-based. To perform a successful root cause analysis required a significant cultural shift in the way errors were viewed. The entire medical staff had to be educated that errors and near errors needed to be exposed and investigated for a successful system change that would prevent that error from happening in the future. It was an honor to facilitate a root cause analysis meeting where everyone involved in the case could present their role in an atmosphere designed to find solutions and not look for someone to blame. The previously hidden mistakes because of guilt and shame began to surface in a way that could be addressed as a system and the quality improved rapidly. So you may ask, what does healthcare quality, Six Sigma, and root cause analysis have to do with the value of confession? Confession is a conversation about how we relate to our faults. The most common and destructive mechanism for dealing with mistakes is to deny their existence and keep them hidden. We all have flaws and many of these faults cause harm and can be just as fatal as a medical error. Confession can unlock your resistance to seeing your weaknesses 
and allow you to deal with them productively. Confessing our sins is a powerful antidote against the destructive forces of guilt and shame in our lives. As recorded in Proverbs 28, verse 13, If you cover up your sin, you'll never do well. But if you confess your sins and forsake them, you will be kissed by mercy. I do not need to list the areas of possible sin in your life. You are well aware of those areas and the guilt and shame they produce. This guilt and shame are a heavy weight. Confess your sins and receive mercy. Let go of the unnecessary weight. Do not forget that once you have confessed your offenses and obtained mercy, you need to forsake those offenses, meaning you do not continue to repeat the same offense. Repeated requests for forgiveness will only erode trust. This kind of confession is not the admission of wrong only when you are found out. That is nothing more than insincere spiritual dodgeball. This kind of disclosure involves owning your sin. It opens your eyes to why you need forgiveness, grace, and mercy. This type of confession prepares you for the next step, which is repentance and a sincere apology. Admission of your sins and rebellious offenses is the antidote for a life of guilt and shame. Psalm 31, verse 17. As I call upon you, let my shame and disgrace be replaced by your favor once again. The other area of our lives that requires confession is the area of our weaknesses. We do not like to see or admit our shortcomings. To be open to the reality of our weaknesses causes us to face all those existential realities mentioned in a previous chapter. We believe our imperfections are a valid reason for us to face rejection by others and experience isolation. We believe that it is our weaknesses that prevent us from finding our meaning and purpose in life. Our physical deficiencies result in our mortality and physical inability to perform tasks necessary for daily life. It is our felt weaknesses that make us feel incompetent in issues that matter. We see our spiritual flaws as leaving us empty and separated from God. We work with all our energy and power to avoid the exposure of our weaknesses. Yet, in 2 Corinthians, Paul encourages us to look at our weaknesses through a different lens. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. But he answered me, My grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses, for when I am weak, I sense a more deeply and mighty power of Christ living in me. So I am not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. You will not experience God's power in your life if you avoid your weaknesses. Recognizing, embracing, and confessing your shortcomings is the antidote 
to your arrogance. Your arrogance prevents God's power from being active in your life. Confess your weaknesses. If you do not confess your shortcomings, you will spend the rest of your resources and energy trying to deny your weaknesses, hide your flaws, overcompensate for your shortcomings, or trying to overpower your weaknesses. Denying your weaknesses will only burn you out. When it comes to confessing your weaknesses, it is crucial to remember Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is extremely sick. Who can understand and fully know its secret motives? We are all plagued with pride and arrogance. We do a great job of deceiving ourselves. Be honest, ask for God's help, and do not hide or run from your weaknesses. You need to be open and honest when it comes to productive confession. The world is full of mockers and gossips, so you need to be careful where and to whom you confess. Disclosure needs to be in an atmosphere that is safe, secure, confidential, and non-judgmental. You need to start the path of confession by confessing to yourself. You will need God's help to deal with your self-deception, so freely ask for help. You will need to take time and find a quiet place that is free of distraction. Make this time a regular occurrence and use God's word to open your heart. You will need to be humble enough to confess to yourself before you will be able to admit to God or others. If you do not acknowledge your weaknesses, the only fool you'll be fooling will be yourself. So pause and take the time to consider and evaluate what is going on in your life. Look at how you act and react. How does your arrogance show? Once you've become more honest with yourself, it's time to confess to God. Remember, you are not admitting anything he does not know already. He is just waiting for you to come out of hiding. An open and honest confession to God increases your ability to hear the voice of the Spirit. If you are having trouble hearing God's voice, it could be because you are too preoccupied with trying to overcome your weaknesses. Confessing to God will improve your spiritual hearing. Confession with another person that you trust will improve your honesty and authenticity. As you experience grace and mercy from another, you will find it less challenging to provide grace and mercy to others. If you have difficulty finding someone you can trust, then at least write down your confession. If you want healing and restoration, the key is through confession. James 5 verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Stay sensitive to the voice of the Spirit and be ready to confess at any time. Ask the Lord to remove the scales from your eyes. Psalm 119 verse 18 Open my eyes to spiritual truth 
so that I may behold wonderful things from your law. The benefits of confession are social, personal, and spiritual. There are many social benefits to confession. Confession is a communication of transparency and authenticity, qualities that are lacking in today's world. Confession is a foundation for meaningful apology and forgiveness. Authenticity and forgiveness are necessary to rebuild broken trust. We all have many weaknesses and imperfections. Our strengths are often a cause for separation because of comparison and competition, but our shared weaknesses can serve as a relational bond. Confession communicates trustworthiness and authenticity. There are multiple personal benefits to living a life open to confession. Taking the time to pause and reflect on who you are in light of God's word and ask the Lord to search your heart regularly will increase your self-awareness. This increased and more accurate self-awareness will increase your honesty and help you realize how much you need grace and mercy. To be capable humans, we need to see ourselves as others see us and not have our vision clouded by our arrogance and well-meaning intentions. It is not a lack of education that makes you stupid. It is a combination of denial and arrogance. Confession improves relationships by encouraging trust and burden sharing. Confession is conscious cleansing. It is like a house cleaning of your soul. It is time for some major spring cleaning. Pause, open your heart, and take out the trash you have been carrying for decades. You will want to rid yourself of this trash of arrogance, guilt, and shame before it becomes soul-rotting and life-destroying bitterness. Psalm 119, verse 116. Lord, strengthen my inner being by the promises of your word so that I may live faithful and unashamed for you. You can live without shame if you do not get tripped up by your arrogance. Confession will also increase your freedom to grow. With increased authenticity, humility, and honesty, you'll be able to see the multiple areas where growth is needed and will be freer to move in that direction. Another personal benefit of confession is peace. You can now live with freedom from the weight of guilt and shame. You may still have to live with remorse over past faults, but you will experience a renewed freedom without being held back by shame. As you learn to embrace your weaknesses and shortcomings without guilt and shame, you'll be more tolerant of others. The ability to provide grace to others will generate more mercy shown towards you. The renewed freedom and emotional energy achieved through confession can strengthen your will and self-control. This increased strength can give the extra resilience needed to change destructive habits. The most significant benefits of confession are spiritual benefits. Do you feel as if God has abandoned you? Do you feel spiritually lost? Arrogance and shame will leave you feeling far from God. Confession of weakness will weaken the hold of vanity and help you see your place 
in God's kingdom. There is a lot of unnecessary pressure in trying to be God. God has a place for you, and it is better than you could ever imagine. Confessing weaknesses will also open your heart to God searching your heart, and this will increase your sensitivity to His whispers. In the face of guilt and shame for our rebellion and self-centered living, if we confess to God, we will experience His grace and mercy. In my four decades of medical practice, I have witnessed a lot of life destruction. The life-destructive power of arrogance, shame, and bitterness is far greater than the destructive power of diabetes, heart disease, and cancer combined. Confession feels like you are losing your life. Confession is admitting your weaknesses and facing your guilt and shame. Keep in mind the words of Jesus from Matthew 16, verse 25. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. Be committed to honesty. Keep up to date on taking your moral inventory. Be ready at any time to confess to yourself, God, and to another. Be on guard against the barriers that may interfere with your growth. You want to avoid living your life with pride clothed in guilt. The shame of living this way will result in you applying a filter to your life that has stamped on the edge not loved by God. Your sins, faults, and shortcomings will leave you feeling isolated and alone. You are not alone. We are all in the same mess. Romans 3, verse 23. For we all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God. Forgiveness is readily available. Just confess and ask. 1 John 1, 9. But if we freely admit our sins, when His light uncovers them, He will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ, and He will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We could all use more mercy in our lives. It is available through confession. Proverbs 28, verse 13. If you cover up your sin, you'll never do well. But if you confess your sins and forsake them, you'll be kissed by mercy. Confession will increase your grit and help you clarify your life direction and purpose. James 4, verses 7 to 10. So then, surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and He will come even closer to you. Make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Feel the pain of your sin. Be sorrowful and weep. Let your joking around be turned into mourning and your joy into deep humiliation. Be willing to be made low before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Ask these questions when using this principle as a filter for your life. Am I a disciple of Jesus? 
Am I afraid of exposing my weaknesses? Am I too arrogant to admit my sins and shortcomings? In what ways do I hide? Do I feel isolated from God and others? What do I currently do with guilt and shame? Do I grant grace and mercy to others? Do not hide from yourself, hide from God, or hide from others. What feels like weakness is a strength. Put on the belt of truth.